Okay. So, you know, it's interesting. So, Dr. Adler asked specifically a month or so ago, we were talking, we mentioned this, this week is, is Shabbat Para. There are, four, there are four special Shabbats in between Purim and Passover. Those special Shabbats, we read a special portion that generally relates to those, uh, those portions. The first one was Shekalim. Shekalim is the commandment for each person to give a half, a half a shekel, a half coin, each year for the, uh, for, the, uh, for the temple. The next we read was Zahor, which is the portion that recalls Amalek. Then there's a question, which should come first? We have Shabbat Para, which talks about the, the Para Duma, the red heifer, heifer, heifer. the Para Duma. And then there's Shabbat HaChodesh, which is the Shabbat that talks about the new moon and the commandment to take the, the, uh, the sheep and slaughter it for the Paschal sacrifice. So the question, the question is, which of those should come first? So the Mishnah brings, with regard to this red, red heifer, with this paraduma, I think for me it's easy to say paraduma, everyone knows what it is. The paraduma, there are supposed to be ten in history. There were nine already, and the tenth is supposed to be the one that the Messiah brings. I, I pulled from the Mishnah. The Mishnah writes that up until the destruction of the second temple, ashes had been prepared from a total of only nine red heifers, paraduma. The very first was processed by Moses himself, as the verse here states. The second was done so many years later by the prophet Ezra. Before the second temple, so it was so, at the end of the days of the first temple. So, I guess the duration of the of the ashes is what determines the next one, uh, or or when they find one, could be. What do you mean? When the duration of the ashes? So well, how long could you keep? The, so basically, you're you're making ashes. We'll go through the process. Right. You're making ashes from this para, from this red red cow. From the red cow. And you need the ashes to sprinkle onto the people to purify them. Right. So apparently we had one from Moses in the desert that lasted the 500 years until, the, until Solomon builds the temple and almost all the 400 years of Solomon's temple. That's 900. 900. At the sec- then we have Ezra comes and he does another one at the end of the first temple. And he does another. That's the second one. Okay. And during the second temple period, there were seven more. During the second so seven during the last 400 years. Seven in a row. Seven over 400 years. Over four, so it's not, so there's no like uh, specific... No time until no, when you find it, you, when you find right. it, you do it. Oh, you, Unless you, you run out, you, you've got trouble. Yeah, if you run out, that's why my, So the first one lasted for uh, 500 years. The first Nine. one lasted 900, 900 years. Right. Interesting. How could it last 900? That we're going to see. Now we're gonna find so it. the names of all the high priests who prepared the seven during the second temple are recorded in the Mishnah. Shimon HaSadiq and Yochanan each made two. Okay, that's four. Uh, Eloheni ben Hakof, and then these other three made, made one each. So from the time Moshe received the commandment until the destruction of the second temple, there were a total of nine. So this is, so that, this is the basis of Shabbat Parah, is to discuss this this paraduma. Now, why do we have it before Hachodesh? Why? 
So the, the problem is the Gemara Yerushalmi, the Talmud Yerushalmi states, the problem is that the, it, chronologically you should have Parshat HaChodesh, the one about the new moon and the bringing of the Paschal Lamb, on the, before Paraduma. Why? Then the Gemara there says very simple. The Mishkan was erected on the first day of Nisan. And Parshat HaChodesh is, was given on the first day of Nisan. That's regarding the first of Nisan, which is telling you about the new moon. The beginning of Hakkah. The moon of Aries, right? right? So if you're going to tell, that's on the first day. When was the laws of Paraduma given? On the second day. What happened on the first day of the inauguration of the, of the temple? The two sons of Aaron died. So oh, right. maybe they, that was why... That was maybe why we needed the paradigma. I don't know why it comes on the second day, not the first. So the Gemara argues it should be on the second day. So you should, you should do Parashat HaChodesh first, and then Aduma second. So why do we have paradigma proceed? So the Gemara says, because those who consume the Korban Pesach require the para for their, perfect, for their purification process. After all, it's prohibited to sacrifice and eat the Korban Pesach the paschal lamb in a state of impurity. This proves that the statute of the para is more important than the statute of the Pesach offering of the paschal lamb and explains why our blessed sages instituted the para prior to Parshat HaChodesh. That's the... Okay? Now some state that, that we, we are required, basically, we bring out the Torah every Shabbat but there's no, the, the bringing out the Torah and reading from the Torah every Shabbat and us coming to the synagogue and hearing the Torah on each Shabbat is not a requirement of the, the Torah. It's only a rabbinical requirement. The only time we're required to come to the synagogue and hear the Torah is Shabbat Zachor, the Shabbat that we talk about, what Amalek did to us, to remember what Amalek did to us. There are many rabbis, though, there was an argument, and many rabbis say, no, also Parashat Parah, this discussion of Paraduma is one of the times that you are required to come to the synagogue, take out the Torah, and hear from a Torah itself these laws. The question is why? The Midrash Rabbah teaches that when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moses went up to heaven to receive the Torah, so the Midrash says he heard God learning, whatever that means. But the interesting thing is, what did he hear God learning about? The laws of Paraduma. So the day Moses got up to heaven, on the, for the 40 days and 40 nights, God is sitting there with a book, and he's studying, and what's he studying? The laws of Paraduma. And he's quoting the Mishnah, which cites a specific teacher, and it says, Rabbi Eliezer says, that in Egla Rufa, the, that's the calf that you have to kill if, you, uh, if, a, if a stranger is found dead in between two towns. He says it has to be in the first year of life, while a paraduma should be one who already entered his second year of life. And, and it's saying that Hashem is quoting Rabbi Eliezer in the Mishnah as he's learning, and Moshe walks in, and he overhears, overhears God is studying <laughs> this, mentioning Rabbi Eliezer. Wow. So Moses goes, wow. God is learning this and he's mentioning this guy, Rabbi Eliezer. So Moses turns to God and says, God willing, God, Hashem, please, I want Rabbi Eliezer, this guy who you're mentioning, to be one of my descendants. 
So Hashem swore that his wish would be granted. And that's why when Moses has his son and his son is named Eliezer, even though this proceeds, it says, and the, and the name of one of them, it doesn't say the second one, it just says the name of one of them was Eliezer to allude that this Rabbi Eliezer Agadol, who was Rabbi Eliezer Agadol? He was the teacher of Rabbi Akiva. So he was really, you know, up there. Right, right. He was the teacher of Rabbi Akiva. He says that he wants him to be his descendant. What do we need this? What does it have to do with Paraduma? Why do we need to hear this Midrash? Why is the Midrash, the first time Moses shows up in heaven, has to do with Rabbi Eliezer, who's going to be his descendant? It's the name of his own son. Talking about Paraduma, boom, doesn't make sense. Now, when we begin the, the, the portion of Paraduma, it says, Zot Chukat HaTorah. So we have different kinds of laws in the Torah. We have laws that are, everyone can understand, respecting parents. We have laws that are Mishpatim that are explained. We have the reason for doing such and such. And we have laws that are called Chukim, statutes that we have no idea why they're there. We have no idea. The, the ultimate or the, the, uh, the main or the whatever, what's the word? I don't know the word. The, the main, the, the main, the main the, under the heading of chukim, of laws, you know, of, of laws that we don't understand and we just have to do. The top one is paraduma, the red, the, this red cow. And not, it goes so far because there are so many things about it that make no sense that the, the, the Midrash tells us that the Satan, and the nations of the world come to the Jewish people and say, you bunch of fools. This thing makes absolutely no sense. Why are you doing this the way it's done? So the Pasuk tells us specifically, Zot Chukat HaTorah. This is the, the Chok, the, this ordinance of the Torah. Asher Siva Hashem Lemor, that God commanded saying, Daber El Bnei Yisrael, speak to the children of Israel, Vayichu Alecha, and they should bring to you Oh, why Moses? He's not the shepherd. He's not the slaughterer. He's not the guy. What does Moses have to do with paraduma, temima? It says asher en bamum that has it, it has to be complete, whole. It has no uh, blemish, blemish. blemish on it, and it didn't ever have an all. It didn't ever have the a yoke. yoke. It never did work. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're taking an interesting thing. So I was looking for my notes. For me, I had notes from from years back on this concept, but I couldn't, I couldn't find the notes. So I started again, and I did a whole new class, basically, nothing to do with the notes that I was trying to find when, the, when he asked me the question. But the thing about the, the, red, the red cow is red. So red represents the left side, which is negative. Right. Blood, always red is left. Cow represents the left side. If we look at the uh, chariot of God, left side, the uh, gvura is the cow. Stubborn, right? Uh, child means so it's not a mother it never gave anything never did chesed only received okay never worked means it never did anything for anyone only received so this paraduma represents every aspect of what we call the left side or the negative this represents all of the negative forces that's one thing to keep in mind so it says no work no yoke the question that Nefashim say, why to Moses? Moses is not going to do the work. Moses is not going to kill it. Moses is not going to sprinkle it. Moses is nothing, nothing to do with it. So why are you supposed to bring it? 
Now, where did they find this paraduma? So we had one paraduma, the first one, that we found where? Roaming around the desert. (laughs) Or possibly they brought it from Egypt and they discovered that it was a paraduma. Now, every year, a couple of years, you, you, know, you get the video and they mm-hmm. send you the pictures right. of the Paraduma. Mm-hmm. You know, we found one in a farm in... Uh, right. in uh, yeah, yeah and this is going to be it. And then eventually it has a black hair or two and it'll finish. Yeah. And we're done. Or like a little white it's supposed to have not a sink. If it has two black hairs or two white hairs, yeah, it's over. no good. It has to be completely, to be like total red. red. Wow. Okay. And no scratches, nothing. Right, so that means it can't walk into the fence. It can't do anything. Never work, never do anything. All it does is, it's a whole few years to sit there and eat grass. It's only about her, nothing else. Also, it's female. Oh, right. And the female is also the left side, the side that receives, not giving, nothing. All of it is the receiving side. So, this, this, the ashes of this cow... And all the paradumas are always called the paraduma shel Moshe. And the question is why? Why, why, what's the link? why all of them? Especially we see there's no paraduma from now for 900 years. So where's the connection of this paraduma to the one 900 years That's and the one 400 years later? Even the 10th one, which I really don't understand, is going to be named for Moshe. But that's the, that's the Messiah. That's the Messiah. Yeah. So the question is, why associate the paraduma with Moses? What specifically about Moses is the paraduma? The Mishnah and the Rambam explain how it works. You basically took the ashes from the previous paraduma and you mixed them into the new ashes of the new paraduma. So basically, if I had ashes, I had ashes left over after 900 years. I took the ashes I had left over 900 years and when I made them 900 years later, I mixed those into the ashes later, which means that something in those ashes was from the previous. And then when the next ones, I mixed the ashes again. So I'm constantly mixing my stock, old stock, into the new stock. So there's something of the old stock in the new stock, which shows you why all the nine have some connection to the paraduma of Moses. But the next one... The next one won't be able to do that unless unless we find some of the ashes buried, which they which the well the what's it called said he found the 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 one who was uh, who's the guy the archaeologist the one who uh, from Texas from Texas the one who's uh, he was the real life uh, Indiana Jones right oh. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. He just passed away. Yeah. yeah. So he, yeah. Fa- his daughter converted. He never converted. Well, okay. His daughter converted. He never converted. Well, he found the ashes. He's a, he was a Christian archaeologist, oh. but he was very connected to biblical. He said he found sacks of sack of the ashes or sacks of the ashes in his archaeological uh, things. But, Interesting. But, but, but I mean, how, how, do, how we do, do we know? know? <laughs> how do you know it's the, true? Because you can't date ashes. There could be ashes of some. You can't carbonate. Right, who who's going to save ashes, though? Huh? No, he found it in the store of where the Ben Hamikdash stores oh, were, or whatever. Okay. I heard that story. Who knows? Hey, look, I'll take it. <laughs> some, someone might be holding them. So, but if they really were holding them, then they could just use them and not and not get not worry them. about and right. One. Says untatem. So why, why is it crucial, though, to have something from the original in those nine? Why was it always crucial to continue? Untatem otam, 
So once you brought this to Moses, what did he do? From Moses it goes to Elazar HaKohen. Not to Moses. To Elazar. Why Elazar? He was a Kohen. So he was one of the... There were only two sons left yeah. of Aaron because the other two sons died. And he... Elazar HaKohen. And now, here's a bigger question. He says, you bring it to Elazar HaKohen, the son of Aaron. He's the assistant to Aharon. Not Aharon. We don't bring it to Aharon. And one big question is, why not to Aharon? Aharon should have been the one you would bring it to. Why Aaron? He's the high priest. Why are you giving it to his son and not Aaron? Why the assistant and not the original guy? Not only that, he has to take it out of the camp and slaughter it. Now the question is, if this is called a, a, uh, a korban, uh, an offering, all offerings have to be slaughtered in the Ben HaMikdash or the Mishkan. So how are you taking it out of the camp? Why not slaughter it within the courtyard of the Mishkan? Why outside? It is a form of Azazel. Ah, so we have Azazel thrown off the mountain, but not slaughtered. This is actually slaughtering as if it's a korban, but outside of the camp. Not only, and now, during the time of the, in the desert, they slaughtered it outside the camp, facing towards the Mishkan. During the time of the Bet HaMikdash, they slaughtered it on Har HaZetim, the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is the mountain directly on the other side of the of the, uh, the Temple Mount, and they did it there. So the question is, why outside the Mikdash? Why not in the Mikdash? Especially, you're not allowed to slaughter things outside the Mikdash. You can't build an altar anywhere. Why this specific thing outside? And now, the nations, again, make fun. Because, hey, listen, I thought you're only allowed, you are the people who say you're not allowed to make an altar anywhere, you're not allowed to slaughter anywhere, the only place you could slaughter is the Bet HaMikdash. Now you're taking this thing that's going to purify everyone, and what are you doing? You're slaughtering it outside. What kind of magic is this? Why are these rules? So it's a korban, but maybe not a korban. Now what happens? Elazar Kohen, he's only going to supervise. He doesn't slaughter. Hmm. Who slaughters? A non-Kohen. What? Oh, that's right. So now you tell me, you take it. Don't give it to Aaron. Give it to the assistant of Aaron, who's Elazar. And then once you give it to the assistant of Aaron, who's Elazar, he takes it outside the camp. And what does he do? He gives it to another guy who's going to slaughter it. What's going on here? And he's only supervising the slaughtering. If it's so important, why is a non-Kohen slaughtering it? Why don't you give it to the priest to slaughter so now that he slaughtered it, what does he do? So basically, he catches the blood in his left hand, the way the Mishnah describes it, and he then, with the blood pooled in his left hand, he takes the blood with his right hand, and he sprinkles it towards the Mishkan, even though, or towards the Bet HaMikdash, even though it's a mile away. Right. Okay, <laughs> boom. I'm just sprinkling some blood. Okay, now he sprinkles the blood seven times. Boom, boom, boom. Now after he sprinkles the blood, he says, So now he, he, he burns the cow in front of everyone. Outside? Outside. But what do they do? 
So again, the, this, is, this is in honor of you, this class. This is Paraduma. Yeah, he was asking the question. <laughs> okay. Why Paraduma? Well, yeah, a few months ago or so. Anyway, so he says, So how did they burn the cow? What did they do? The, Mish- the Mishnah says it's a mitzvah leharbot etzim to get ma- many, many trees, a lot of wood. So basically they're telling you to take lots and lots of wood, literally a lumber yard, a huge pyre, right? And you know, take this thing maybe 20 or however much you could get of wood. Gather the wood together. So now you've taken, say, a whole lumber yard completely filled with wood, that's what you're going to burn. You made this huge pile, and what do you put on top of the pile? The little bitty baby cow on top of the pile. So now what are you going to do? You're going to burn the whole thing. The more wood, the better. Why the more wood, the better? No, no, also what happens, you get more ashes. Oh, right. Okay? So now the problem is, if I've taken 10 tons of wood, which is a reasonable amount to take, and I take this baby cow that may weigh only 400 pounds, because it's a baby cow, and I put it on top of the wood. The amount of cow in it. The amount of cow to wood could be one in 10,000. One in 10,000. And now what do I do? I burn the whole thing. And after I burn it, I take all of what's left, and I grind it into ashes and into dust basically, including the bones of the cow that didn't burn in the fire, and whatever wood was just charcoal, that's still there. So now I take all of this giant thing, and I grind it all completely to ashes. And what do I do? I take this ashes, which doesn't even have 1% cow, (laughs) okay? And I put it in storage boxes marked Paraduma, so that in 2,000 years, <laughs> what's his name? Whatever his name is, Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones can find it. Right. Okay. So now I have ground, I have a bunch of ashes, a lot of ashes. Enough ashes to last me 900 years right. on the first go around. So it's pretty much ashes of a tree with a little bit of, of cap. Now, while this fire is raging, what does it do? Vilakaha Kohen. It's Eretz Ezov. So now what does he do? He has to take a little bit of cedar wood. And with the cedar wood, he takes some zata. I say zata in English. Uh, hyssop. Hyssop. And he ties it together with a red string. The one that you, you know, you wear with it. He ties it together with the red string. And he throws it on the top of the fire. Why? Why this, this, this? One represents... Gava, pride is the is the cedar. The 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 hyssop, the, the other one represents humility. And the red string, and we're gonna change from sins to to purity. Now what happens? Now he, he takes all this, throws it in the fire, and what does he have to do now? The guy, the Kohan who supervised all of this. And the Kohen has to change his clothing and he has to wash himself in water. After that, he could return to the camp cleaned, but he has to wait till the night. So the Kohen who's supervising all of the process, 
even though he didn't do anything, he's now impure. How? We don't know. He's he, impure. Is he the one who caught the blood? Oh, he got the blood. Yeah, yeah, he got the blood. So maybe the blood made him. Okay. So he got he caught the blood, so now he's impure. The Hasoref, maybe, I don't know. It doesn't seem because the priest in the temple could catch as much blood as he wants, and he's not impure. No, because he did it in the temple. Maybe because He did it outside. So it made it impure. Could be. Now, who else is impure? The Hasoref Otah, the person who did the fire, he also has to change his clothes. And he has to wash in the, in the water. And he has to wait until the evening. And then he's going to be pure. Shabbat parah. This oh, Saturday. All right. so we that's it. That's why. That, no, we did parah. <laughs> but we'll relate it back to Shemini anyway. Okay. So a pure person now gathers the ashes. He puts them in a safe place into dry storage. Now. What do we do with all of this afterwards? I'm going to jump now from Pasuk 8 to Pasuk 17. He says, now we take the impure person and we take me'afar from, the, uh, from this dust, from this uh, ashes burned of the khatat. And what do we do? We take mayim chayim in a kibbutz. So now what do we do? We go get a barrel of water that we get from the spring. A barrel, 55-gallon drum. We take the 55-gallon drum of spring water and we take a little bit of the ashes, which has a little bit of the cow. So maybe there's one one-thousandth cow in the ashes and we sprinkle this ashes onto the water. So now you got a 55-gallon drum with a handful of ashes. How much ashes to the water? Maybe one one-thousandth could be fine, anything. And one one-thousandth cow to the ashes means one one-millionth cow in the water. So this is the ashes of Paraduma. Whoa. That's hard to understand. So now we take these ashes, put it on top into this barrel of the drum of water. And now what do we do? Now the guy who's Tamemet, the guy who touched the dead body or was in the room with the dead body or... Whatever else. What do we do? Now again, we're going to take more zata, more of the hisap, and we're going to dip it in the water, and we're going to sprinkle it. sprinkle it on the guy on the third day and the seventh day. And then what happens? This is the guy, he says, this is the guy, this is guy who touched a dead body or anything that was tamer or bamet, or he was in the, in the graveyard. And we dip it. We dip, we dip it in, sprinkle, and he will now be pure. Because he got sprinkled with the waters of the paraduma, Even though not even a nothing of the paraduma landed on him because there were just some sprinkles. So, why do we have this process? It's crucial because people have to come to the Ben HaMikdash, they have to come to the temple three times a year. If you can't come to the temple, if you're Tamem Met, if you, uh, in, if you were touched a dead body or were in the vicinity of a dead body. And it says, that's why we have this whole law and we do it specifically before Passover because everyone has to come on Passover and bring the Paschal Lamb and you can't bring the Passover sacrifice if you are uh, impure and therefore everyone has to be pured with enough time to get there and do the, 
so to when, the Paschal's. Was it that the, the Midrash was standing? Yeah. And people were coming over, let's say, for Pesach. There was like a purification station. Absolutely. For a week, you came a week in advance right? yeah. to get purified, or you could have been purified where you were lived. Oh, so you could bring uh, the, the water could be wherever it had to be. But you would come typically to the Bet HaMikdash because you're there already and in Jerusalem they're generally very careful with, uh, yes. with purity because the Kohanim live there and you go from there. It's interesting, the Daf Yomi today talks about uh, how a person gets impure if it's, if it's just a bone, if the bone has flesh on it, if it's not flesh. And there's a whole side thing where they talk about like a dentist. I saw you know, a question, a dentist who has a skull in his, uh, in his uh, office that he, a real skull. To my mate. The Kohen's not allowed to go in that dentist's office to get his teeth done. And there's a problem today because there are certain implants that they do, even a podiatrist sometimes uses, they use human bone in the implant. Yeah, they use the human bone in the implants often, and that's a problem because if it's larger than a certain size, does, is the Kohen allowed to... It was very complicated. What about... Yeah. So the, 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 a, a regular person he becomes tamemet. Right. So even a regular person. Right, but a regular person is permitted to be tamemet. The problem is a kohen oh, is not supposed, is not supposed to be permitted. You're, 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 you're not allowed to be more tamemet. You should avoid being. If you're already impure, don't be more impure. Okay, Sorry. In today's time, yeah. Every time you go into the hospital, every time you go into the hospital, you would have to go get, uh, you'd have to go Why get purified. Because the, the odds are there's dead, dead people in the hospital at any time. But that's, I thought, only for a Kohen. No, no, no. The Kohen's not allowed to, to make himself, to, to, to put himself in a position to become impure. But... If, if I wanted to eat the, if, if say the Ben HaMikdash is, is around today, and I want to eat the Pesach meal, then I have to make sure a week before the Passover meal, I don't go back into that hospital and I get sprinkled. Because every time I walk in the hospital, I'm considered Tamemet, and I'm required to be... Within Ohel, right? It says, Adam ki yamut ba'ohel, a man who dies in the tent. So per anyone who's in the tent, anything in the tent so has this level. The hospital is a roof. So certain hospitals, they have built in a certain way that the, the morgue is considered a different, uh, a different roof. So it sort of insulates. But the problem is in any given hospital on any given day, you don't know if there's a, a, a guy, someone who died in their room or a, an abortion that happened. or I mean, there's so many possibilities. You can't even take a flight. With a dead body that in a car. Right, so the problem, the problem is, for example, a Kohen, most Kohanim that I know won't fly the El Al flight out of JFK. They'll only fly out of Newark because the Newark planes do not take bodies, but the JFK flights take bodies. But the, that's because of that reason that they want to yeah. have a flight that's free of bodies? That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also the, the flight path, the flight path over, I don't know how it works, but the flight path, they don't fly over the cemetery because the problem is the, the tumah just keeps going. Yeah, the tumah, exactly. 
No, no, there's certain Jewish cemeteries they don't fly over when they get to Israel. Oh, it's only they, a Jewish cemetery? Yeah, it's really a Jewish cemetery. What about the Jewish cemeteries in Europe? I don't know. I, I, don't know if they, I don't know how you fly it. And I don't know when you get to 30,000 feet if it makes. But anyway, there's a whole big things with, with the Haredi people and, and El Al and all of that. But I know my, my, son, my, my son-in-law is a dentist. And my son-in-law, when he, he was in NYU, and he, did, he had them do certain things. Is it Cohen? Yeah, he's a Cohen. And he let, they let him work on uh, virtual. And also the, the, the head he used was fake. Right. Was a cast one from a real one. And they were very uh, willing to work with him. But for sure he puts himself in position. But my son-in-law, if he doesn't have to go to the hospital, he doesn't go to the hospital. He doesn't go visit people in the hospital. If yeah, we have to go into the hospital. Well, my daughter gave birth. He went into the hospital, and, and but there's no base on Mikdash today. No, we have Mikdash. Mikdash. What is it that he can't do? The Kohen can't add to his tumah. Oh, so just that fact alone is like he's making. He can't add to his impurity. So That's why Kohen can't go to a funeral. Transgressing a negative command. He can't add to his That's impurity, basically. So he's already Even though he's already impure, you can't say I already got it. It doesn't matter. I can't add to it unnecessarily. So there's no cleansing from his. There's no cleansing until you until have. Get another parah, until we get this red red heifer. But only for a Cohen, not for us. For us too. Well, for us too. But we can't do anything. But we don't need. So we're not being mean, told to be pure. Mikvah is nothing. It's yeah, not nothing for you. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's it's something, it's something but it's but not it's, it's not lifting. What we tamemet? No, tamemet. Tamemet is is tamemet is is is, is from death. Is impurity from death? Right. It's not removing tamemet. It's removing tamem from carry, from nocturnal emission, from things like that. That's removing. But it's not removing. It's not removing uh, tamemet. But it doesn't restrict the kohen from doing anything. Like Correct. Right. But but a, a kohen who's ah but a kohen who goes to the cemetery regularly, right. or who completely ignores his requirement to abstain from tumah or be away from tumah, he's not allowed to duchen. He's not allowed to go up to the Torah. If a kohen says it's all ridiculous, I don't believe in it. I don't care about dead bodies. I'm gonna open up a uh, a, morgue. a morgue, and I'm gonna work in. Uh, I'm gonna be the undertaker. Mr. Cohen, the undertaker, cannot go up for Aliyah Cohen. He's allowed only for the seven relatives: right. mother, father, brother, sister who's unmarried, son, daughter, and wife, whatever spouse. Yeah, that's the seven. But only sister unmarried. He can't go to the funeral of his sister who's married. He has to stand outside. So were the ashes used for anything else besides Tamim Mace? No, only Tamim Mace. And he can't go for the wife. I thought for his wife he can go. No, his wife he goes. Okay, so now. So the, so the pure... Per, uh, we said, okay, review third day, seven day. Crucial because they had to come three times a year. And it's very easy to be Tamim So the, the secret of how the Paraduma works was only given to Moshe Rabbeinu. Only Moses, God, decided to tell. What? <laughs> now, so no one understands the secret of the Paraduma other than Moshe. Not only that, King Solomon, who was given the most wisdom of anybody, says, basically, I understood everything, but this was far from me. Meaning, everything in the world I understand. 
The only thing I don't understand is Paraduma. And it's interesting that Shilomo, how do you spell Shilomo? Shin Lamid Mem If you reverse the letters, it's Lemoshe. So from Shilomo was Lemoshe. Why would we specifically say that Shilomo understands everything except Paraduma, and the only one who understands Paraduma is Moses? That's, that's the question. So if Moses knows the answer, and if Moses is told why, why can't all of us learn? Why is it just a secret that only Moses is able to learn? It can't be that some knowledge is given to Moses that someone else can't get. It has to be that Moses is the only one who can internalize this knowledge, while Solomon absolutely can't internalize the knowledge. What separates Moses and Solomon? But remember, Joshua Even was Joshua. Joshua was sitting on the side of the mountain. He was halfway there. He wasn't there. But that's a good one because it relates somewhat to the to the so to the saying, egg. Um, so, <laughs> so Moshe uh, Moshe and the Solomon thing one more time, real quick. Moshe and the Solomon. So uh, Moses is the so the only one who knows the secret of right. Paraduma is Moses. The one who should know everything, who's specifically blessed with all knowledge, is Solomon. And the one thing Solomon doesn't understand is Paraduma. Okay. Boom. But even though Joshua was sitting at the side of the mountain, uh, I'm sure there were other people who were also distant from the point of action. Yeah. You know, the fact is that they were all. We know the 3,000 Leviim had nothing to do. I mean, we know the Leviim had nothing to do. He heard. Because they didn't do anything to stop it. Right. And, that's, that, and, and Moshe was the only one who couldn't do anything to stop it. He wasn't there. But let's see what we get now. Now, the, the answer really, one of the answers, so the answer I did that was looking for, I didn't find. So I found another answer from the Arizal, which really blew me away. It was very interesting. He says that you have to go back to Parshat Vayera. Parshat Vayera has to do with Abraham after Abraham has his circumcision. He's 99 years old. He's sitting outside his tent. It's the hottest time of the day. And he lifts up his eyes and he sees three three men men. approaching. And what does he do? He runs to greet them and he bows down to them to the ground. And he says, if I found favor in your eyes, don't pass in front of me. Take from me a little bit of water. Wash your feet. And rest under the tree. The rabbis say, why does he want to wash their feet first? It says, because the, the nomads of the time, the, the Bedouin or the, the, whoever preceded them, what did they do? They traveled through the desert. So they worshipped their own efforts. They worshipped the dust of their feet. The dust of their feet was something to worship, meaning they worshiped their own efforts in this world, whatever they could accomplish. So what did he want them to do before they would come into his house? Wash their feet from the the dust, from the avodah from the idolatry. And then they're going to sit and wait. And then what does he say? 
And then it says that he runs El Habakar to the, to the cows, right? To the cattle. And uh, he says, and he takes from the cattle beautiful cows. So basically he takes three young uh, calves. And what does he do with the three calves? He gives them to the Na'ar. Who's the Na'ar? The Na'ar is either Yishmael or Eliezer. And he tells him to prepare the calves. So he's going to give a tongue, which is the most delicious part of the calf, to each one of his guests. Says, Bizchut Abraham, saying, Yukach na me'at mayim. In the zichut of Abraham, saying, Take please a little bit of water, and running to the cattle, we have paraduma. What does that mean? The animal that he runs to the calf is the same as the paraduma, the young cow. He says the water is like the little bit of water, the water that we're going to mix with the ashes. And the ashes, the dust is like the ashes. Goes further. He says this story, says the Arizal, is the root of the whole story of paraduma. Later in the portion of Vayera, Abraham sends, says, Ani Afar, he says, Ani Afar Va'efer. I am dust and ashes. He says, You said this, that you're just dust and ashes. In Zichut, in your merit, I'm going to provide B'nai Israel with ashes that will purify them from what? From the sin of the golden calf. Says the Midrash that tells a story. The Midrash tells a story that there was a child in the palace and the child defecated in the middle of the palace. And the king said, Who the heck? What's going on? Who is this kid? And he said, It's the housekeeper's son. So the king said, Go get the housekeeper to come clean up for the kid. He says, What does that mean? He says, We sinned with the golden calf. Let the para, the mother of the calf, come and clean up for. The golden calf. Now the golden calf was male. The golden calf was male. So the kapara of the golden calf, the red, so the, the red cow, gives forgiveness of the egel. What's the comparison? How does one relate to the other? The Arizal explains to understand the concept of the red cow, we have to understand what Hashem wants from us. So he says, Abraham is 99 years old. He's looking for guests. He's waiting. He wants to go and help people. Why? He sees dust, might be idolatry. He quickly runs to bring them water. Abraham is looking for a guest and he's looking to overcome any aspect of Avodah He says, of course, we know the stories of Abraham going out of his way to greet guests. But we, don't, we have to remember that what's the purpose of him to greet the guests? Why does he feed them? Why does he bring them into his house? In order to explain to them who is God. He says, the key is to remove the Avodah Zarah, to remove the idolatry from a person, brings the water, the water is crucial to clean the person, and then to feed them. Who, who slaughters the animal? Who prepares the animal? Is it Abraham? It's the assistant. And therefore, when it comes to the paraduma, who does it? The assistant does it. Everything about the paraduma. He brings point by point, relates to the situation of Abraham with the guests. 
He says that just like Abraham is a partner with Hashem, he's doing this only so that they're going to eventually thank God and bless God. He says that everything is for the sake of Hashem. Hashem. He says that Hashem is my master, I am dust and ashes. The key in Abraham saying that I'm, I'm dust and ashes is that Abraham is a person filled with humility. Humility is the key to Abraham. He says that I'm working for Hashem, he's my master. This is ultimate humility. You have a guy 99 years old. He just gave himself, he circumcised himself. It's 100 degrees outside. You could sit and relax and don't do anything. What does he want to do? He wants to serve God. And not only is he going to serve God, he's not going to serve God and tell everyone else what to do. He runs. He bows. He brings the water. He wants to wash. He goes and gets them to bring the food. He does everything and he's as humble as you could be when he's a wealthy man and he doesn't need to do this. He's the, the example of humility. How does it relate to the whole thing of Paragima? We come out of Egypt. Three days out of Egypt, we get to Mara. Mara is the place of the bitter water. That's the place we complain. There's nothing to drink. It says that Moshe took a tree. The, the rabbis tell us what kind of tree? An olive tree. He tosses it into the water. The water becomes sweet. Sham, Sam, Chok, Umishpat. There we learned chok, meaning chukim, laws we don't understand, and mishpat, laws we understand. We learned about respecting parents, we learned about Shabbat, and we learned about paraduma. says that the Arizal says the secret of the paraduma is the ashes and the water. The only way to get there is through humility. The more humility that a person has, the more he's able to understand God. If a person is not humble, a person cannot understand God. It says that any time you see Hashem, you see humility. Anytime you see someone who has gava pride, God doesn't want to be with him. He leaves the place. Rambam says, if a person wants to have true emunah, he should go outside and contemplate the universe, see how awesome the universe is, see how great the universe is, imagine all the stars and all the solar systems, and then look in a mirror and say, what am I compared to all of this? But what is Hashem compared to all of this? We call Hashem Hamakom, the place, why? Because all of this is within God. All of this is not God within this, God, that's within God. Says that if a person starts to think about how great God is, he'll understand how little he is. Says the Rambam, this is a key. Through humility, a person could begin to understand the concept of Akadosh Baruch of God. The first humble person that we know is Abraham Avinu. He's the one who says, Ani Rak Afar, right? He says, I'm just dust and ashes. He runs to the guests, he washes their feet. No Abu Daza around the house. In his state, he ignores the pain, he ignores the heat. He takes the bull, he brings it to the, to, to the assistant. Great expense, anything he could do to share with the guest. Only one thing, how great is God? That's what his whole purpose is. This is a way of understanding, for the, this is the kapara of the Egel. Why? Because the Egel, the golden calf, was what? That we didn't want God. We didn't, we were throwing away God. We wanted to replace God, while Abraham is only trying to throw away the replacement and bring God. So this is the kapara for
for the Egel. I have a side note that if we have a minute, we'll come back to it. says that the water, he asks right away, get water. He sees the dust, he suspects no dust in the house of worship. says that the ashes are compared, Abraham, to ashes. The first time the word ashes appears in the Torah is with regard to Abraham saying that he is like dust and ashes. Because I'm worried about Hashem. This mitzvah, paraduma, is zechut Abraham and can be kapara ve'egel. What do we do? We slaughter it outside the camp. Why? Because Abraham ran, go get the bakar and slaughter it outside to bring it for the guests. Every aspect of paraduma mimics the idea of Abraham. It says the red cows compared to that, the animals that Abraham slaughtered. He asked his assistant to slaughter and prepare. The regular person could do it. It says you don't need the Kohen, you don't need Abraham. Now you same as Abraham is Moshe. The humblest person, it says, that the humblest person ever, the Torah says, who was it? Moshe. Moshe. Moses was more humble than any other person. It says that Moses, through his humility, he's able to understand. The humility allows him to internalize a concept that other people can't. Was, so he as smart as, was he as smart as Solomon? No, but Solomon had all the wisdom. But Solomon simply wasn't humble. Solomon said there's three laws to a king. Not to have a lot of wives, not to have a lot of horses, not to have a lot of uh, money. He says, but me, I don't have to worry. Because the reason he can't have a lot of horses is because he's going to go down to Egypt. I'm not going back to Egypt. Look what he does. On the night of the opening of the Bed of Mikdash, he marries... The daughter of Pharaoh. It says everything he said, he has a thousand wives. It says he worshipped Abu Dazar. Did he really? No, but it was as if he did. All the things he did, he said, don't worry, I'm better than all that. I'm smarter, I'm greater. Won't affect me. He lacked humility. And the reason why he can't understand Paraduma is because without humility, the person can't reach the level to understand the Paraduma. So, how, how, how does one know if, if he's humble enough? I guess if you, if you don't know Paraduma, you're not humble. <laughs> Moshe, not <laughs> means the only one who understands is Moshe. But the Arizal explains, he goes... You don't question how humble you are, you know you're humble. Moshe, but think of it this way. Moshe gets to heaven. He's so humble that when he gets to heaven, he's hearing Hashem learning about what? Paraduma. Because the red cow is the forgiveness of the Egel. He wishes his descendant will talk about the, the red cow. He's praying that forgiveness will come through the red cow. The main focus of Moses, his whole life is what? Forgiveness for the children of Israel. All he pleads for is, please God, forgive them. His entire life, this is what his focus is. This is what the Arizal explains is the para. The para is a source of a person's faith. The branches of the olive tree piled up, some zata. All of this is a sigula for humility. A person knows that they eat... Uh, Hisap, it's a, the rabbis say it uh, makes a person humble. It says that ayin hara. What? Is that the bitter herbs? No, uh, hisap is zata, zata, oh. spice. Ayin hara, it says that the, the, the ezob, the bush, reminds a person to have humility. He says the secret of the para is humility. The water is similar to Abraham's water. You dip the, the zata, you dip this into the water, you sprinkle and you purify Humility that a person will understand who is Hashem. This is the secret and the kapara. The golden calf brought death to the world. 
Before the golden calf, when we received the Ten Commandments, we were at the level of Adam before the sin, meaning death was eradicated. Once they worshipped the golden calf, death came back. And death is what the Parah Duma has to fix, because death is what makes us impure. The Parah is a medicine in a way. And if you look at it, it's again the same idea that we talked about last week. We talked about the idea of a vaccination. You're taking one one thousandth of the negative of the negative of the negative of the negative. The red, the blood, never worked. Female, no yo, no, all the things associated, the left side being the cow. All of this is left, 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 left. All of this is just desire to receive for oneself alone. All of this is resting in that cow. And you're taking one part of that and you're putting it into the ashes and you're putting the ashes into the water and that's the vaccination. You put a little of the negativity in order to clean myself, in order to save me from the negativity. What, you figured out the paraduma? That's the paraduma. So the forgiveness, the Abu Dazara, it comes before Nisan, before redemption. We have to know that the holiday of Pesach is called the holiday of Emunah. We sing a song of Pesach called Emunim. Believers. How does a person have belief? A person has belief only through humility. The humility gives belief. What? What's the, well, what's the purpose of the negative purifying the negative? So we, what, what happens is we have to face the negative in the world. Got it. In order to face the negative, God is giving us a vaccination which has a little bit of the negative, That's which the will protect us of the, from the the negative that's out there. And really that's the humility. Because a person who has the humility is protected. The idea of the red string is not that protects you because a person's wearing a red string. The idea of the red string is that the humility will protect. The red string's supposed to remind you of, of, of Rachel. And Rachel is the one who's, who's basically is, who's, has willing to give up everything for her sister. Not to take anything because she's humble. She's just, everything's not about her. So the humility is what is what. Then the idea of the chok, the chok is what we don't understand. If we're willing to do something we don't understand, it takes tremendous humility to be able to do that. I'm willing to do something that I don't understand because God told me to do it. So I saw one of the reasons that we have that, I just finished and then go back. Hashem says that he says that he can't be next to anyone who's not humble. Avodah Zarah comes through a lack of humility. Another explanation why para precedes Chodesh, why this, the para Duma precedes the, the, the month the, where we talk about the new moon and the Pesach sacrifice, is because in order to have the Pesach sacrifice, you have to have faith. But in order to have faith, you have to have humility. Humility always comes before. Humility could restore faith. Says that that's the key that a person has to have. The interesting thing is that the idea of Hukat is that things are going to happen to me in life that I don't understand and I have to be willing to accept. One of the reasons it's not Aharon that the rabbi saw, I saw this this afternoon. One of the reasons it's not Aharon is because in this week's parasha, Shemini, the end of this week's portion, it's the first day of the dedication of the temple and what happens on that day? Aaron's children die. It's the greatest day for Aaron. He becomes the high priest that day. He's dressed in the priest's uniform. He has his be priest forever. And on the most day of his joy, what happens? His two sons bring this fire, burned alive, die. And what does it say about Aaron? Vayidom Aaron. Vayidom from the word, from, from the word stone. 
He was like a stone. He didn't say anything. He accepted it. He accepted it without fighting back. So the idea of chok is a willingness to accept things that I don't understand in this world. The idea is that certain things are going to happen to me. I can't understand them. Why are you doing this to me? I have to know that certain times, it's like, and, and the person who accepts the chok, who accepts so it, it's, it's huge. It's huge in Judaism. I mean, for that you have to be willing to, sometimes people, I don't understand. Most people actually A lot of go people. away from God when something bad happens. When I don't understand. They don't understand. So he says, that's the idea of the chok. For us to go and to say, even if I don't understand, I accept. Just to go back one, one minute more, I just saw this, something was just unbelievable. Says that what what did I saw this other reason that I never saw before? Says what was the reason that so so we, we when in in Devarim Moshe recounts the places that Ben Israel went to. One of the places he says is Dizahav. Dizahav is not really a place. It means Dizahav, too much gold. Moses went back to God and he said to God, "You know why they fell for the Paraduma? Because you gave them too much gold." You gave them, when they left Egypt, too much money. Because they had so much money, they went after the paraduma. So, we have, in Shir Hashirim, it says, To zahav na'asilach im nekudat ha'kesef. The golden calf. Because when we left Egypt, we had too much gold. So it says, in, in, in Shir Hashirim, it says, Circles of gold and spangles of silver. Rashi says, The spangles of silver refer to the booty of Egypt, while the circlets of gold refer to the booty of the sea. So we needed two forms of atonement. The paraduma was designed to atone for its offspring, the golden calf, because the colors gold and red are related. It says the half shekel was aimed at atoning for the sin from the spangles of silver, which was what they took from Egypt. The paraduma is for what they took at the sea. He says, so now we see Moshe Rabbeinu says to God, because you gave them money, you gave them silver and gold. They worship the golden calf. So you can't blame them. Why is that? Because the golden calf is associated with the left side. The left side is the desire to receive for myself. The left side is always associated with money, money, money. I want, I want, I want. Why did Bnei Israel say we're getting rid of Moshe? Moshe, when they left Egypt, didn't take any money. Moshe, when they left Egypt, he was busy getting the casket of Joseph while everyone else was getting money. Bnei Israel said, that guy Moses, he's not with us anymore. He wasn't interested in the money. You have to be interested in the money in this world. Let's get rid of him and replace him with what? The Egel that represents a desire for money. So Moses goes back to God and says, it's all your fault, God. You're the one who gave them the appetite for money because a person doesn't get in this world half of what they want. That's why you have to give a half shekel. Because you don't get half of what you want. It says in the Gemara, a person wants 100. A person has 100. He wants 200. He has a million. He wants 2 million. No one ever has half of what they want. The chutzpah of uh, Moshe telling God. It's all your fault. <laughs> so the, your the Gemara fault. relates. Now, how does that relate to the paraduma? The paraduma is not about money. But the reality is, that the half shekel we understand is, the paraduma is not about money. But the Gemara tells a story about the certain person who had a paraduma born in his herd. And the rabbis came to him and said, could we buy it from you? 
And it was the guy who they came to him and he had a jewel. And the jewel was in the safe. And the key to the safe was under his father's pillow. And he said, I won't wake my father to get the key because he's sleeping. Come back tomorrow. They said, we'll get it from someone else. So now what happened? He had a parah duma born in his herd. The rabbis came to him and said, we want to buy the parah. He said, you know when you wanted to came to me to buy the jewel? And I didn't wake up my father because, because I didn't want to bother him? That's what you have to pay me to get the paraduma, even though you'll pay all the money in the world. So the paraduma is worth all the money in the world. That's why it's also tikkun for this desire of wealth. It says, come see how this sheds light on the meaning of Hashem's statement to Moshe after the sin of the Egel. He says, on that day I'm going to make an account. He says, I shall hold them accountable for their sin. What does it mean? Whenever Yisrael are held accountable for their sin, they're held accountable for the Egel. For no punishment comes without the Egel. Yet according to what we discussed, the answer is clear. The root and source of all evil and all sins in every generation stem from the exact same elements that brought about the idolatry of worshipping the golden calf. And what was it? says in the Torah, take care, you're going to forget Hashem, and you're going to only want cattle and money and gold and silver, etc., etc. says, this passage indicates the impetus for forgetting and abandoning God involves one's quest for excessive silver and gold, which we have learned was the root of the sin of the Egel. This explains why God says to Moses, I'm going to do the accounting. Why? Because all of it is about your own accounting. This is what's the other reason for this whole thing. But it also relates to humility. Because a person who thinks I'm going to have all the money in the world. And I'm going to have more and more and more and more. That person has no humility. He thinks he's greater than God. He thinks he's greater than anyone. So this is a, we, we found a bunch of reasons relating to the, to the paraduma. Things that I, I didn't see before. That I see now to try to help us to understand. A little bit of relates to this week's portion. At least with the death of the, the children. And that's why we see Elazar is involved in in it and not Aharon. But the idea of Aharon being silent and the year, the idea of accepting and having humility is the whole idea behind the, the golden calf. I think that's why when it says Vayidom Aharon, I think that's why Aharon is forgiven for the golden calf. Because and, there and is this complete humility. So what's the connection to the Mashiach? I mean, we all have to be humility for the Mashiach to come back. So for us to understand in this world and to connect to God, we have to have humility. That's one of the the, the bottom line, I think, of this. And to have humility, he says, Rambam gives the answer. Go outside, look at the stars, figure out who you are, and realize you aren't that great. Right, right. Yeah. Tell people every day. <laughs> Not that great. <laughs> okay. Excellent.